All right, and we're live. This is Chad with I Want to Know. We don't have Mark here today, so uh, Chelsea's going to be my co-host. Uh, she's a friend of mine from church, um, a pillar of the Airdrie community, an actress. She runs a theater company. So today we're going to talk about um, natural talent versus hard work. Mm -hmm. So Hello, everyone. <laughs> So Chelsea is a, a very talented person. I think she she sings. She's an actress. Um, technically sound in, in all the arts revolving around yeah. theater. I'm kind of a jack of all trades. Like that's yeah. maybe a, a label I've given myself. Um, uh, jack of all trades, master of none, maybe. Yeah, I think um, you're a master of a few. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So where where did you get your start in uh, acting and theater? Um, when I was a kid. I actually I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was a kid and so and I'm talking like grade one kind of and I was like yes I want to work with animals and it's gonna be fantastic and then I realized I'm like hmm a veterinarian usually only deals with animals when they're sick yeah. and I was like well that sucks <laughs> and then at that really young age I was panicked like, what am I gonna be when I grow up and and that went on for a couple of years and of course it seems larger than life when you're you know five years old yeah and then I remember by grade six, uh, I was watching a movie, and for the life of me, I wish I could remember the movie because it would make this story so much better, but I can't. But I just remember watching it going, I could do that. I could do that. And that was it. Really? Since then, everything has been towards acting and art. And even actually growing up, it was like, no, you know, that's a pipe dream. And, yeah. you know, um, everyone wants to be an actor. Everyone wants to be a celebrity. And I think a lot of people you know, thought that's why I wanted it, just because everyone wants to be it, right. but something really connected about acting with me, and, um, yeah, just from then, I, I, like, I was, like, when the internet first came out when I was in high school, you know, and you had <laughs> access to it, I'd be, like, looking for agents and stuff, and I got kind of that, mm-hmm, that's nice, dear, but you didn't really know, like, nowadays, uh, a person who's in high school, they could do it all themselves, like, they yeah. can self-submit, they can... Uh, connect with people no problem but back then it was a little bit harder and I didn't really know where to look so I went kind of the normal route of I, I went to I did high school and then I went to school at Rocky Mountain College in Calgary and I took their theater arts program trained in Meisner technique and um, what's Meisner technique so Meisner technique is a form of acting technique um, it's a lot about the what-ifs. So instead of going, okay, you're going to play a stalker. Go out and stalk someone and know how that feels. <laughs> it's like, okay, stalking someone is as if you're um, playing hide-and-seek in the backyard and you're trying to be really stealthy. Like, it's, okay. That's a horrible, that's actually a horrible example. Okay. So please, you know, people out there, no miser, don't get mad. Yeah. But it's, a, it's um, using the what-if, so it's real emotions in... in um, artificial circumstances kind okay. of. so they could talk about pinching out so when I pinch you how do you respond right, right. so it's about really focusing on your partner yeah. and then playing off what's actually really happening between the two of you as yeah. opposed to being like my character is supposed to be angry and I don't care what you're doing but this is my anger yeah. so it's about connection and, and Truthful emotions and imaginary circumstances is kind of very the, cool. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I trained in for four years in college, and um, yeah, I just when I graduated, I got an agent and I started auditioning. I got um, a tiniest little role ever on um, it was called Hell on Wheels. Yeah, and it was a Steven Spielberg miniseries that was filmed in Calgary back in back in the day. Yeah, um, 
And it was funny because I went to a cattle call, which is basically they're looking for extras. So a thousand people show up at the Best Western and they take your photo and you, you know, turn sideways and whatever. And then um, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. So I put my dad's phone number. Yeah. And my dad calls me a couple of days later. He's like, um, they, they're trying to get a hold of you. Uh, they want you to come out for this mom. And so I thought, cool, extra. That's awesome. No problem. Yeah. Also, that was the time I realized I need a cell phone. So in 2005, <laughs> I got a cell phone. Um, so I went to this, I went to the, what I thought was just extra holding there. And no one really knew who, why I was there and stuff. And so finally someone who had a bit more control um, found out what my name was. I'm like, oh, you're in the wrong spot. And so they put me into another area. I was actually like a character. I didn't realize this until like wow. two days into shooting. So I'm just kind of like hanging out in costume. Like, you know, because extra work is like, that's basically what you do. You, you sit around, around doing nothing. 12, 15 hours. Yeah, and, yeah. And they treat you good, but you realize that like you're below the garbage man. Like yeah. you're just filling out. You're don't a set talk, piece. don't interrupt. Just eat your food and yeah. wait for us to call yeah. you. And it's gourmet food. So it's really nice. Yeah. But um, so the first day we were at Heritage Park... And I ended up watching everything, but they never needed us. And I was like, well, that sucks, but I got paid, whatever. <laughs> and then I got another call, and I had to go in for a costume fitting. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Because extras, you just go and wear what they have, usually. Yeah. Um, so I did a costume fitting. And then we went to location in Bride Creek. They have a, a western town there that's mm-hmm. used for filming. Went there. Horrible weather, but again, we were supposed to shoot, but it was too cold. They had like a, an 1886 camera, and so the weather was too cold, so the slides weren't working, and they were going to be taking a photo of us in, wow. in the movie. So went, then we were too dressed up, so I had to go back for another fitting, and then I got a different costume, and then I show up to a new location, and it, it was so amazing because I, I had a trailer with like my name on the door, and I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? How old were you when you did? Um, I would have been... 20, 21. That's insane. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I still didn't really know what I was doing because I thought I was an extra, but here I have a trailer and it was... You're the special extra. I know, I was. I was a special on camera actually. So again, the trailer was amazing, but didn't film. So I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then, so the next day we end up going to um, Curry Barracks. They used to use the air hangers for uh, sound studios. Yeah. So again, in costume, in the trailer, and then I walked out, and they've recreated uh, one of the rooms from Heritage Park in this hangar, and get to go on set. Like, I go on set, the director's talking to me, I'm playing a mom who, so I had two kids and my husband, and we were getting our photo from the wagon train, so we had just arrived in the West, Mm -hmm. and so the director's like, yeah, so this is probably the only photo you'll ever have in your life, and, you know, smile, but not too much, and so I'm like... Like, oh my gosh, like, I'm on camera. And um, we had to do the take a couple times because none of us could get it right. We're like really too big. You're like, no, you're not that excited. Tone it down a little bit. And so finally we got it. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I I wasn't sure if I was like just in the background or whatever. But then when you go and you watch um, Hell on Wheels, uh, I think it was Stars and I can't remember. It's the third episode. I'm on camera for like 30 seconds and they actually took a real slate photo and they show the old-fashioned photo and cool. I actually it's funny because I mouthed or I said what I was filming thank you and I didn't have any lines so I wasn't supposed to do that yeah. so they dubbed it over my voice <laughs> but the voice was like thank you like super high and I was like that was not me but it's like the magic of film so that was really cool and apparently um apparently Steven Spielberg was on set that day I didn't oh, realize wow. that sitting in craft services eating lunch I'm sitting there 
And I realized after watching the film that I was sitting across from the lead actors of the series. Wow. Like, it was so weird. You're just completely oblivious to everything's totally going oblivious. around. Totally oblivious. I had no idea. It was so cool. But at the same time, I was like, I was just kind of enjoying it because it wasn't a normal way that you get a role. Like, you don't normally go to a cattle call and then... Get pulled out of the crowd. Yeah, and yeah. And it was a small role. Like, I'm not talking... Like, you blinking, yeah. you probably will miss me. Yeah. But, um... It was my first real experience of like a professional. I'm gonna have to go back and find the uh, find the series. I own it if you want to borrow. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a really good series too. It's all about you know um, the train um, and um, kind of the pioneers coming into the west and the train and the natives and just how everything kind of it goes through the generation of I think it goes through like two or three generations of this one family line. Both the natives that are. both that and then there's they follow a Chinese story and they follow like just all these different elements so it's yeah. a really really interesting story I think I know an actor that was also on there he's a martial artist that teaches here in Airdrie I want to say his name is Kevin something Kevin Davy. I think he's the Hell on Wheels actor he's definitely an actor here in town you recognize that guy? Oh, okay. so Hell on sure. Wheels this is the TV series yeah Mine was a miniseries way back when. Oh, so he probably okay. was in the TV He's series. He's in the new um, one. Helen Wheels, it's, it's, oh my, I forget the right name. Uh, Into the West. The miniseries itself was called, called Into, Into the, the West. West. My episode was called Helen Wheels. Oh, okay. That, I always get that mixed up. So. Cool, cool. Yeah, so that was great. So we were uh, meaning to talk about uh, natural talent versus hard work. Mm-hmm. And I know you had some thoughts on that, that there's lots of people out there that, you know, it just seems like everything they do, it just kind of falls into their lap and it works out perfectly and they're awesome at it the very first time. And there's other people that just have to grind and date mm-hmm. and learn to, to, to do it. And how have you seen that in the acting world? Um, I think natural talent can get you somewhere. But I think eventually you're going to get to the point where it's not enough. Yeah. Like everyone talks about, oh my gosh, they're so lucky. And, and I even fall into that trap of thinking, oh my gosh, like they're so lucky they didn't even have to try. But when you look at someone who's achieved the level of Hollywood or, or Broadway or whatever, they're super talented, but they work hard. Yeah. Like I, I was once told in college that the most talented people on the planet, they don't perform anymore because they didn't put the work in. Like they just decided they didn't want to do it or they didn't believe in themselves. So I think you can have natural talent, and God bless you if you do, because you're, that's lucky, like you're, yeah. that's really good, but I think it can only take you so far. Uh, I think there's, um, there's so many elements that give you success. Like, we always talk in, in theater and film about the look. Like, if you have the look, that's yeah. like, you're talented, and you have the look, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. But if you don't have the work ethic to, to show up to your meetings, to be, have like a good attitude and, and kind of pound the pavement. There's a lot of other people out there who have the look. Right. So natural talent is, is cool because then when you get in front of the camera, then maybe it's a little bit easier for you to just kind of flow in the moment or whatever. But Directors, producers might like you a little bit more. You're yeah. a little bit more apt to get hired over somebody else just because of that natural yeah, talent. Yeah, because you have that sparkle, you have that quality that people, are, they just buy what you're, what you're saying. Yeah. But I kind of, the, the older I get, uh, the more I think that that maybe gets you in the door, but it's your hard work and it's your attitude that keeps you in the room. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing about acting is it, it's cutthroat. Like, not to say that people are mean, like there's some jerks, like there's some <laughs> sure. horrible, horrible people in the arts, but there's some beautiful people in the arts. And I think um, because it's so competitive, like for me... 
if I go out for an audition, well, there's probably like a hundred other people just like me. So when the auditioner or the casting director is looking, they can be like, "Mm, she's got blue eyes. I want green. Well, that girl has green. We'll go with her. Yeah. Like can come down to that. So, um, no matter how hard you work or what talent you had, it could be something as simple as your height or your eye color. Yeah. Yeah. Or you, the actress reminds me of, uh, an ex-wife. Yeah. And then I don't want to work with her. Yeah. (laughs) And that, that comes up too, right? Like I've had it tons where it was like, um, she's too tall. Yeah. Like, well, such a, so it's a, such a good portion of it then just relies on luck as well. I think there's a ton of luck. Yeah. But I do think that the people who've made it there, they're the ones who, sure, luck happened, but they kept going out. They kept auditioning. They kept auditioning. They kept going. Of course, there's always that one that was just, oh, they discovered me when I was serving pancakes at Denny's or whatever. Pamela like, Anderson's of the world. Yeah. Right? At a football game and the camera pan, like, oh, that's the girl I want right there. Exactly. Yeah. But that definitely happens. But I would say the majority of actors, if you even the big ones like Brad Pitt and stuff, I'm sure that if you go back into their history, they, they went to auditions. They did commercials. They mm. built their resumes. They... Um, did the work kind of and now we watch them and we think oh they're just oh they're so talented and they're just coasting but man I wish people understood how hard art is I think it, it's true in everything that you do like natural talent can pay off but you're absolutely right if there's no hard work involved you're not getting anything mm-hmm. that you know Brad Pitt didn't get to be that good I mean obviously he's a good looking guy and he has some talent he had a lot of things going for him he had a lot yeah. of things going for him but he would have had to have taken the you know the courses and and you know learn to you know method act or, or whatever it whatever is technique, yeah. whatever technique he needed he would have to work and practice at that to get mm-hmm. to to be able to stay in the business and get hired yeah. and get through the roles and do all the stuff he's supposed to do yeah like nat- natural talent is nice because um you kind of i don't know if you necessarily grasp the techniques better but it just that part's a little bit easier maybe i don't know i think every situation is different because actually every scene that you do um then it becomes it like acting is so personal it's I was once told in, in a film thing is you're a product and you're selling yourself. Yeah. Not in like a whoring kind of way, but like, well, <laughs> for some people, maybe. Um, but like, I am a product. I will never be a petite, you know, damsel in distress kind of thing because I'm not. I'm six feet tall. I'm broad. You know, I got yeah. good Scottish, Swedish background there. <laughs> so that's not who I can play. But if I'm trying to sell myself as that product, yeah. no one's going to buy it. Right. But they're going to buy me as maybe the the neighbor next door, the single mom, the hard worker, she cleans up nice kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's my cell. Yeah. And so I think the work, so you can have the natural talent to be able to play that role or whatever, but the work is creating your package, like creating how you're going to sell yourself, yeah. really skilling yourself in that area. Um, um, and the business, like natural talent will get you so far, but if you can't, do the business and do the work of the business you won't get anywhere yeah you have it's, to understand how the how the system works and mm-hmm. play within that system if you yeah. want it done your way and you know uh i think we saw this back in the 80s or as actors and actresses like well i'm this so i deserve this and you mm-hmm. gotta do it my way and this mm-hmm. is the way we're gonna do the scene and and that just doesn't apply those people don't last yeah. very long yeah and not not nowadays now it's like People, like some of these actors who maybe had like big heads and got away with a lot of stuff, it, it, it's just not playing anymore. Like they can't get away with that anymore because yeah. people are now becoming so much more vocal and there's platforms like podcasts and social media where they can say, this is what happened to me. It's unacceptable. 
I was listening to, I can't remember who it was lately, but they were talking about, um, I think it was a fighter who was getting an acting role. And the reason he got the role was because he had more followers on social media oh, than, than the other people in the room. So all of a sudden, like that's an advertising, a free mm-hmm. advertising for the producer or the movie maker or whatever, yeah. uh, because he has, you know, whatever, 500,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And so he posts two or three times, oh, filming this movie, go see it. Well, they got half a million people going yeah. right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was at a producing workshop because I also do film writing and I, I've done some, I've produced some films and stuff. Just do a little plug there. <laughs> go, go check them out. Um, but they were saying how when when it goes to trying to get money, so if they're going to go to a bank to try to apply for a grant or a loan or whatever, or they go to investors, the investors want to know who's going to be in the film. And it depends on what kind of film you're going to make. If it's just some indie art house thing that maybe costs $500,000, that can be a little more, it doesn't matter who's in it, as long as they're talented, and it, it's not so much about that, but when you start getting into the million dollars, five million, whatever, it becomes who's in your show. Right. So if you say, you know, we've got this great film, and we have um, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson attached mm-hmm. to it, they are going to chuck money at you, <laughs> hand and fist, but if you say, oh, i got Chelsea Russell, they're going to be like, who? Yeah. Like for me, and it's a hard thing to learn, is I have literally no monetary value in film. Yeah. They don't know who I am. They don't care. That's going to be hard to swallow as a person. Like even someone coming up realizing that you have to create a value in yourself. And with the generations that we have now where they just figure they deserve things. uh, They talk about the millennials a lot and they they have this... uh, just this feeling that, that they they deserve whatever mm-hmm. uh, they think they deserve and mm-hmm. they should get it. Um, if you don't create that value, and I think this is true everywhere. Uh, I, I work in construction for my regular job mm-hmm. and I have to create a value for myself. I know, um, you know, if you're a tradesperson and you're working piecework, if you're not valuable to the person, mm-hmm. they're not going to let you. If you're a fighter, you don't have the social media, you don't work in every single aspect that the, the people making the fights or making the movie or making the mm-hmm. company, they, they don't want you. There's yeah. no value for you. And it's a hard lesson to learn. Like, it's hard to learn. You have no value. It's like, right. oh, I have value as a person. No, no, no. M- monetarily in this film or whatever industry you're in, yeah. you have no credit. Like, why would we put huge money behind you when you have no draw? So that doesn't always happen but that really when you go to finance a film that and I mean I get it if I was going to be forking out a million dollars or whatever I would want to know like well what's the draw how am I going to make this money back and a million dollars is probably a low amount of money for films nowadays for the big budgets yeah like stuff and I think the largest one that was filmed in Calgary was Passchendaele and I think that was an eight million dollar budget wow and that's that's a low budget like if you're if you're talking like marvels or whatever i'm sure that they're in the hundreds or something but when you think about it i mean some people get very upset about the budgets and stuff but that's creating i think one thing i saw was like 1500 or 2000 jobs that's 2000 jobs for like six to two years yeah so it's not just these actors are dividing 100 million no and even the actors who are getting 50 million or whatever they're like an industry they have drivers they have like they are paying people so they're not seeing 50 million in their pocket right. they're seeing they're still seeing let's not you know they're still getting a lot, of money. a lot of money yeah. yeah but they're also like an industry like they are providing a life for their gardeners their their maids their drivers their uh, all the acting agents. courses they're taking the clothing the coaching wearing. the the training the chefs like they are an industry yeah. so i i think it, it i mean they get a lot, but they're also creating jobs for a lot of people. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's kind of a side note there, but 
I think in, in certain industries that's changing in, in media anyways, you look at podcasters now and they, they have nothing. So, you know, it used to be radio, talk radio, um, and you would have producers and, and uh, runners and, you know, everything involved like you would with a TV show, but just for, for voice. And now you see guys like JRE and, uh, I mean, there's a million different podcasts out there and there's nothing. It takes... You know, a couple bucks a month and a little bit of equipment, you're up and going and mm -hmm. you can make your own living, your own um, income out of doing that. Yeah. And of course, yeah, you're if you get big enough, you have gardeners and drivers and, <laughs> and private schools or, yeah. or whatever yeah. you want to do. Yeah. And uh, by no means are we there yet. Yeah. <laughs> we could still use some sponsors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is it is an industry and people need themselves, sell themselves that way mm -hmm. and work hard just because you're pretty or you have that look doesn't mean that you're going to get that role. And uh, it's funny because my daughter um, goes to a lot of your courses mm -hmm. and we talk about that at length. Like she's not getting any acting jobs. She has a, um, not a manager, agent. an agent yeah. right now. And I'm like, well, are you going after them? Are you finding out what's being filmed? Are you messaging these producers? Are you? She takes all the courses yeah. uh, that that she can take, but it's so much more than that. She she originally said, well, I don't want to do any modeling. I just want to be an actress. I'm like, well, that's a little silly in Alberta. Like, you really got to be in every aspect mm -hmm. and get yourself out there, create a value for yourself. Yeah. And so she's finally agreed, and she wants to do modeling. She's looking at modeling agencies now, right. but that's. I don't know where the disconnect is that, that they, and maybe it's just her age yet, that, that it's, it's a lot of hard work. Like you've got to mm -hmm. be constantly thinking about it, yeah. constantly talking about it. Um, and even to, to create that confidence in your own head, like I'm an actress, mm -hmm. I'm this, I'm going to do that, yeah. that um, you, you have to be constantly working at it. And it's, you have to have a thick skin. Like yeah. any, any actor or artist who's in the industry, you get so many no's. Like, you get a thousand no's before you get a yes. Like, I, I don't I think I'm on no, like, 327 or something, right? Like, and that's it. And they're saying no, like I was saying before, you're a product. They're saying no because they don't want you. Right. It's not like they don't want the t-shirt that you made or, or the book that you wrote or whatever. They don't want you. They don't want your hair. They don't want your eyes. They don't want your weight. Yeah. So you have to get a thick skin and be like, no, I'm just not right for the role. Right. And I've been lucky. I have never had someone be like, oh my gosh, you're terrible. Get out of here. <laughs> it was just like, I auditioned, I didn't get it. Yeah. And some of them, you were really close, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I got shortlisted for a project in Toronto, and then I didn't get it. And so you have to be like, yeah, I, that's when you have to know your product too, right? Like, yeah. I, this is what I do, and so if they're looking for something else, they're not looking for me. Um, so at a young age, that's hard though. You're, that's that's so. a lot of vulnerability, um, and especially when you're still developing. Like for me, I would say I didn't really become comfortable with who I was till I was like 26, right. where it was like I'm no. still trying to get better, but it's like. I was trying to please people until I was 26. And that might even be early for a lot of people, I yeah. think, to gain real, real confidence in everything you do and say, even, you know, with what we're doing here with the podcast, it's, you know, we still haven't released it yet, which mm -hmm. is coming in the next mm -hmm. week or so, and I put a, a deadline on so you do it, but yeah. you get uncomfortable. You listen to it and you're like, eh, I don't know, this. but I'll get better at it, right? Yeah. We'll get better at interviewing, better at conversation, yeah. better at producing, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And these young people, I think they have to realize that it's it's about hard work. Mm -hmm. it's, the first time you do it, you're probably going to suck at it yeah. um, if you don't have that natural talent. Yeah. Uh, second, third time, you're going to be better. Fourth, fifth time, yeah. way, way better. Well, even if you do have natural talent, I remember, and hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying this, I remember I saw a film with Jessica Chastain, I hope I said that right, um, who she's a huge megastar now, like she's in tons of stuff. 
Um, but I saw it way back when, when she was younger. It was like a... I'm not even going to say what the film is, just in case she yeah. ever hears this. I don't want her to be there. Um, in case she produces movies. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get in front of her as a casting, whatever. Um, it was terrible. Like, the acting was bad. It might, maybe it was a bad script or whatever, but it was just super cheesy and horrible. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I could do this. <laughs> and then a couple of years went by or whatever, and then I saw her in The Help. And she was playing, I can't remember the character's name. But I was watching it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this character. She's so fantastic. Like, she's so good. And then I was like watching it and then I think I pulled out my IMDB and I looked and I was like shut the front door I'm like that's her that's the same woman she's phenomenal but and she's pretty and whatever and so I don't know how she got in the door but she's obviously still worked her craft and she's a very very talented actress now I would say so I think some of that is you can have that natural talent but then as soon as you get in front of the camera you've got to learn how to work um with those elements like you go from theater to film and you're going to seem ridiculous on camera because you're big and you're big eyes and talking really loud. Whereas film is like intimate. It's all about like eye contact and small and minimalistic because it's real, right? right. Whereas theater, you're trying to entertain the people at the back wall. So even if you're talented, you can still look like you suck yeah. if you don't learn how to channel it properly. Well, it's this massive system too, right? If the producer isn't good and putting his hands all over the the art of it, and if the director doesn't understand what the writer wants or whatever, mm-hmm. then the whole thing can just go go sideways. Yeah. I see some sitcoms on TV right now. I'm like, how did they get this thing passed? There's, uh, what's it called? Two... Two Broke Girls? Two Broke Girls. I know. What a so horrible sorry. That's so show. Bad. I've seen half of two or three episodes, and I have to shut it off. I'm like... There's nothing valuable in this show yeah. at all. So it makes you think, like, you know, is their husband the producer? Yeah. Where's the money coming from? Did they do it on their own? But at the same time, I tip my hat because guess what? You're on TV and you're in Five season. Seasons, yeah, I, I mean, think. like, obviously you're hitting some niche there. So good on you. Like, yeah. I'm I'm not in a TV series that people hate. Right. I, like, I'm not on TV. So right. I tip my hat to you, man. Like, yeah, if you can get a pass, you can get it, a right? pass. I know uh, yeah. we see it in the fighter world all the time. I love MMA and UFC and Bellator and all that. And you hear people badmouth a fighter and you're like, yeah, but he's made the big show. Like, yeah, he's there. He's there. So yeah. whether you like him or lump him, it doesn't really matter yeah. because he's made it. And so there, there comes a thick skin too, right? Those guys get beat up just the same way actresses oh. and actors. Do and well, and nowadays, because of social media, I think people are, excuse me, I think they're a little more aggressive with their comments. Like, yeah. I would never go up to an MMA fighter and be like, oh, you suck, because you'd probably be dead. <laughs> yeah. Yet on Twitter, I could just ream him out, and what is he going to do? Like, usually he won't respond necessarily because it could be bad for his image. Yeah. So I think now it's even harder, because now everyone can have an opinion, Yeah. Um, and everyone is not fully informed. So, again, thick skin in, in any of those entertainment industries. I was just thinking about, um, who's the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy? Chris Pratt? Yes, and he was married to... Oh, what's her name? Uh, she just did Overboard. She has mm-hmm. her own TV show. Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Yeah. The, the, uh, Ava, my daughter, was uh, trying to get in a film with her. Mm. And so I you know, go on their social media. You're seeing who's just going to be around and all that. Yeah. And between the two of them, when they broke up, the amount of abuse the two of them took over a break. You're like, what? these are two people going through probably the hardest time of their life. Yeah. And you're bashing yeah. them? Yeah. Like, come on. That guy's losing his wife. And she's losing a husband. And yeah. 
how do you separate product or product uh, yeah. possessions and stuff yeah. like that and they just get back so I don't envy anybody in that that situation that it's it's hard and I'm sure it deters a lot of people with natural talent from mm, from could. going in there but uh, yeah it's yeah. scary I think that's why a lot of you can see a lot of sports people and artists and whatever they get kind of overwhelmed with it and, and maybe they turn to drugs or maybe they, they pull out when you're like wow they're they were so huge they were so amazing but um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. I think people just see the glamour. I think that's why you have people who commit suicide because yeah. it's, it's overwhelming. I yeah. think that having that many people looking into your private life and getting their two cents when you're already having a hard time, like, yeah, yeah it's funny when I was a kid, I, I wanted the Academy Award. I wanted that. And as I get older, it's like, no, I, I don't even, I mean, I, I would love to do like a, a big Hollywood blockbuster because I think that'd be, be amazing. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, a, I'm more about the stories that I want to tell so I think I, I write more now and I kind of have three movies in my head that I want to get made and then like once those are made it's like okay yeah so it's different it's funny because I just wrote down that question is what I wanted to ask you because uh, I know you have a, an agent and you audition and you try out for stuff all mm -hmm. the time uh, but a majority of what you do is you make your own work mm -hmm. right you mm -hmm. you have your third theater production company I know you did a web series, yeah. um, and and that's you know natural talent or not, that's a lot of work to produce yeah. that stuff. Yes. So the yeah. uh, the web series in particular, because I know you hire camera crews, mm -hmm. you you know rented spaces mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. How far did that go? Um, we went into some festivals, so we wanted a, not like one big, but we got into a couple of festivals. We won some honorary mention oh, kind of stuff, uh, which was huge because that actually started off as. Um, a friend of mine, well, I was in a play and I became good friends with one of the girls there and her and I were like, oh, we should do something after this is over. And you always say that and you never do it. Yeah. So we were like, no, we're actually going to do something. And then her husband's um, a brilliant director of photography and photographer. And so it became this little thing like, we're going to film it on the iPhone and film it in her, your apartment to like camera lights, the whole kind of thing. And we, we just funded it ourselves. Um, just because we wanted to do something, and sometimes that's what you have to do, right? You just yeah. want to do something. So Sorso here in Airdrie let us use their space, um, and then we filmed it. We filmed it from two weekends. Originally, we're like, we'll do it in four days, and then we got through like the first day of filming. We're like, oh, we need like Good two weeks or whatever. <laughs> so we filmed from ten p.m. at night till three o'clock in the morning. Wow. At the time, I was I was rehearsing for Bordertown Cafe at Torchlight Theater, right? Which was a month intensive, and then there was a conference happening at the same time. I almost lost my mind, yeah. but it was fantastic. But yeah, so with that, then we um, we just submitted it into some festivals. Um, the one here in Airdrie, we went over to uh, the London Comedy Festival. Um, we got London, London, Ontario. London, England. London, England. Wow. Yeah, went over in there, and then we went. We did the Canada Shorts one, which is where we got our honorable mention. Yeah. And then we entered in Slovakia. Which they said it was very good, but unfortunately they couldn't add it to their roster, so yeah. whatever. But yeah, but it was something, right? Like right. I have a lot of friends who talk, 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 and they won't do it until it gets to a certain level. Right. And we were like, let's just do something. And I'm kind of of that mindset. Like I have another another short in the works, I have a novel in the works, and I have these three scripts. Yeah. And my job is I have to just write them. Like right. I'm not too concerned yet on what's going to happen, but I feel like God will provide the doors as, as we go. But... You just have to do it. You have to create work. Yeah, because you work a full-time job as well, and then trying to find time to do the stuff that you love yeah. and, and where you really want to be. Mm -hmm. And not that your job's bad, but it's... Yeah, uh, it's, it's my day job, and I'm so thankful for it. But my, my heart, my soul, my passion is art. Right. So. 
stuff. So do you schedule time? Like, do you like literally write out a schedule and say Mondays from you know eight till midnight? I'm gonna write. I, um, I don't know if if this demographic would know, but Terry Savelle Foy, she's the daughter of Jerry Savelle. She talked about um, what's the difference between ordinary and extraordinary people. She says just a little bit extra. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's so good. That is good. So she was saying, just pick like three to five things that you do just a little bit extra. Um, she's like, whether it be cleaning or whatever. So what I've started doing is, okay, the hardest thing about writing is sitting down to write, convincing right. yourself to do it. So what I've done is say, okay, 20 minutes a day. Yeah. That's it. You sit down, you put your timer on, you write for 20 minutes a day, and that's it. Wherever you can fit it in, if it's 20 minutes before you go to bed or right when you wake up. So I've been doing that, and normally you'll go for two hours because it's it's that commitment to, I'm just going to sit down, I'm just going to start, and then I have permission to stop after 20 minutes, right. but you kind of create so that. I'm not habit. dedicating my night to it, I'm not yeah. doing nothing, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start because... You have to like trick yourself. You have to negotiate. Right. And life is busy. Yeah. So you got to try to fit it in ever, uh, wherever you can. I think scheduling it in is vital. I don't yeah. think you can just be like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll write this weekend. Oh, I'll, I'll do it later. When are you going to do when? it? When? Are you going to do it at 10 a.m.? Are you going to do it before you have a shower and then whatever? Like, so for me, mine is usually, my 20 minutes is usually before I go to bed. Yeah. Um, and then I usually end up going to bed a little bit later than I had anticipated. <laughs> but it's okay because I'm doing yeah. my 20 minutes. And the same thing with like cleaning your house. If you said that five days a week you're going to do 20 minutes, well, sooner or later you don't really clean anymore. You're just kind of tidying up because everything's clean. Right. You know, in a month you would have cleaned your house in, right. in the 20 minutes a day. I don't think people realize either that when you, you know, it's nice if you could dedicate your time. If you, mm -hmm. you know, had some financing where you could just write eight, nine hours a day and, yeah. you know, you're pr producing a movie a year, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or even if you're not there, your writing would just get so much better that yeah. you're into book deals or, yeah. or to whatever. And when it's not true for most people, we don't have rich parents, we don't have, you know, mm -hmm. a trust fund to fall back on. Yeah, we have to work the day job. We have to work the day job. But you're right, it's not a tremendous amount of work just to put that little bit in. Mm -hmm. Same with, you know, exercise, cleaning, diet, all that kind of yeah. stuff. If you just do a little bit better today than yeah. you did yesterday, well, you're going to get it. there. If you're, if you would spend all the time you're making excuses, just doing the work. I oh my know. gosh. Like I could have been like 22 and had my scripts printed, but I was making excuses for a decade, you know? Right. So, or, or wasting your time on stuff that's not valuable, like like TV. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think for you, TV probably is very not valuable. Really. <laughs> and maybe encouraging yeah. or, or yeah. gives you some ideas yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, I think anything that you do, you should immerse yourself in it. So it's TV, yeah. movies, theater, whatever. But yeah, there's so many people that sit and go, I got nothing in life. And it's because you sit and watch TV for six yeah. hours a day. If you had spent one of those six hours putting it towards something yeah. that would better your life, you would be that much further ahead. Yeah, and I just think, like, as I get a little bit older, I'm just really starting to discover that it's choices. Mm -hmm. You can choose to lay on the couch and binge watch Luther, um, you know, on Netflix. Or, Vikings, you gotta watch Vikings. Oh, Vikings, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Vikings. Or whatever your, your guilty pleasure is. Or you can choose to, for me, do the writing for an hour first yeah. and then do it. Like everything is choices and everything is, have you let fear stop you? But right. you can't blame anyone else. Like sure, bad stuff happens. Absolutely, I'm not diminishing that. Yeah. But you have a choice. You right. can either sit and wallow in whatever happened or you can be like, okay, I'm not letting that define me. I'm moving forward. So it's the same thing with, for me and my acting and my writing. 
I can choose to be upset that I don't really get cast very much because of my height. My, I can make excuses, right? Right. Or I can get off my lazy tail, write my scripts. I have contacts with people who make films, who have money. Like, I have a network. I've developed that network, but I still have to go and engage that network right. to do my projects. I think people don't realize that if you just started, all the other stuff would fall in line. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. because you work hard, because you put the effort in in your industry, you're meeting the people mm -hmm. that you need to. That you know, maybe the the first five people you met won't like your script. Yeah. The sixth person will love it, yeah. uh, and then it'll get produced, and that will change your life. You won't mm -hmm. need a daytime job anymore. Yeah. And you get to write more. And yeah. you look at guys like uh, Kevin Smith, and mm -hmm. that guy really has no massive attributes. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's funny. Yeah. Um, he obviously has some natural talent, but mm -hmm. he's a hardworking guy. Yeah. He yeah. he does uh, um, uh, movies, stand up, one man shows. Yeah. He has a podcast. You know, he mm -hmm. he he fills his day full of stuff he loves, yeah. and therefore he's making the money yeah. off of it. Even like uh, The Rock, like Dwayne Johnson, that man. Yeah. I don't even know how he functions. Like, I don't know if he's taking a pill, I want it because he has a whole energy level and, and commitment, but he's a businessman, yeah. you know, and I think people connect with that. He's not, or, or maybe, maybe they're all businessmen, but he really showcases yeah. uh, with his social media. I think he uses it quite well to show you like, yeah, sure. I make millions or whatever, but look at everything that's going on in the background like how many projects are going on right. like you want to talk about an industry or an empire he is funding he is like the income for thousands of people oh, you know like sure, yeah. I, I have great respect for him i think he's yeah. done well but um and he's a guy you can talk about having overcoming diversity or overcoming adversity yeah i mean he was a stampeder I he know. was in Calgary, and he said it was the worst years of his life, and I was like, "Dude, but it's Calgary." He I got kicked. He got kicked off the team. Yeah, and that actually was what probably right. changed the direction of his life, right? Yeah. Because he went back home, and his, he said, "I wanted to get into wrestling." Yeah. And his dad was like, "Okay, it's hard work." Yeah. Well, so. and everything is to be successful. Not to take away from the people that don't want to do it, because oh, I no. think that. Uh, we need the people that that just want to go do their eight hours, come home, and watch the TV. But even that's not that's not. Um, that's the life that they want. Like, if you want to work a day job and you want to give that the best, that is no different or less than a person who wants to be an artist because we're all made differently. Right. I, I have an artist soul. It's in me. That's who I am. But if you're a mathematician or you love accounting, oh my gosh, the world would fall apart if we did not have accountants. The world would fall apart if we did not have garbage collectors. Like, right. if, if you do your job to your best ability, then be proud of that. And right. don't ever look at someone else's glamorous life and be like, oh, I wish it was... Eat. No. Yeah. You are meant to be something, and it doesn't matter what it is you're meant to be. Yeah. Just embrace it. Well, I think if you have that inside where you're looking at somebody and go, oh, I really wish I had that, then go get it. Yeah. Go, go yeah. after do it. Do the work. work. But yeah. if you're satisfied with where you are or, or with, within the, the career choice that you have or whatever, go for it. Yeah. Like, if you want to start running the the parks and rec in your city, then work the way up there. And, and if you want to just stay in your job because you like it, because you want to spend more time with your kids and your family, do it. Right. Do it. We don't all need to be stressed out trying to, to make these grand dreams happen. Like, I yeah. think your dream is just what's in your heart, right? Like, right. So. And I think some people are really designed for it. I know I fill my days up every single day. There's never a time when yeah. I'm sitting around, you know, twiddling my thumbs. Yeah. If, if Even if I'm on social media, there's a purpose mm -hmm. behind what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. 
and my wife will just like need a four hour bath. Yeah. Like, All right, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go build something. <laughs> exactly, because I couldn't I couldn't sit there for four hours and do nothing. It's yeah. it's but not that I'm putting anyone down because yeah. I think that people actually need that. I just don't. Yeah. Um, and I think that when you you take that and you understand it and you go after what you want with that mm-hmm. that veracity or that intensity then then it'll come about yeah and if that's what you need to to be your best like if you need a task to just do and that's how you maintain and you grow and you get better but someone else needs downtime too because maybe that's the time that they sit and they think and that's when the the problems are being processed but whereas you figure stuff out as you're hammering a fence or as you're building something yeah we are so, the way that we are made, there's not a cookie cutter shape for a single person. Right. You can't say, oh, you're a B person and you're an A person. Well, you know, you're a B.25578. Like, <laughs> like you're so, yeah. everyone's so different. So for us to, to look at someone's process and be like, you're not doing that right. Well, maybe it doesn't work for us, but right. they're brilliant. Like maybe what they do is amazing because they take that two hours of walking around to think. Right. So yeah, I, I find everyone's process is very very different and when I started letting go of those um, cookie cutter those those preconceived, idea, preconceived yeah. ideas that people had um, I used to look at guys that didn't work full-time jobs mm-hmm. as like losers like I don't know how you even got a wife yeah. or a girlfriend like you're not willing to work and then I got to meet a couple of guys that were very much not worker guys mm-hmm. like they just that it's not they didn't supply for their family or they didn't help but they just weren't going to get a job mm-hmm. and they they made a living the way they knew how and yeah. it was sometimes you know five hours a week and sometimes it mm-hmm. was 50 hours a week or however they decided to do it. and i look back at it and well there's something really admirable about somebody that yeah. was willing to go you know what i cannot go to an office job yeah. every single day and so i'm not going to do it yeah. i'm going to figure out another way yeah. and those people actually i think are way more innovative than the the normal mm-hmm. person that that um, you know, just tries to get it through the, the, the standard way yeah. of doing things. Yeah. We talk about wanting to interview um, people that are unconventional, that, that step outside the, mm-hmm. the norms. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's important. Those are the people that make the, the help the world. Yeah. They don't make it. They help the world yeah. around. Well, and you had mentioned before about creating your own opportunities. And I felt a long time ago, before Torchlight, which is my theater company, um, I really felt that God was saying, create your own career. Because yeah. like I've said here before, I'm, I'm not a conventional, like I'm not a damsel in distress. I'm yeah. six feet tall. I'm a little bit bigger. Um, I don't get the opportunities. But when, when that kind of came into my head of create your own career, yeah. it was like, yeah, like if, if you can't do it the conventional way, because I used to say this to my mom all the time. Well, mom, if I want to make it in the industry, I have to audition. I have to pay my dues. Yeah. I have to do it this way. And that can sometimes be dangerous because you can get into like, well, I'm going to do this role that I really don't like and I would never do that, but it's going to get me to the next level. Right. That's the danger of doing it the conventional way, maybe. Yeah. So she would say like, no, well, maybe maybe if you go this way, it'll open an opportunity or whatever. So um, I've just found in the last, I don't know, five, six years, I haven't really, everything has kind of shifted. Like I've shifted into, okay, I am going to create my own career. Because if I try to do it the conventional way, I'm not going to get anywhere. Like, yeah. I, I believe that I'm a talented actress. Um, and you are. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I've been nominated for a couple of awards, you know. Um, <laughs> but I think if it's, it's a different way of looking at things. So it's creating a career for myself, but it's also helping other people. Yeah. Maybe people think it's self-serving because it's like, oh, sure, you can just cast yourself in whatever you want. But 
Well, you don't even really do that. I, the, yeah. I actually had that question because you've done, I think, six or seven plays now with mm -hmm. Torchlight, mm -hmm. and you've only been in two of them. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, that you know, you could definitely get your face out there more. You could definitely, yeah. and I think acting is probably your passion more oh. than. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you created all these opportunities for um, um, actors and actresses yeah. here in our town. Well, and I'm also about the product. Like I never, I never want to force myself into a role. Let's say we're doing Romeo and Juliet. I would never want to force myself into Juliet because I am not Juliet. Like, if if I did that, it changes the whole dynamic of the show. The audience won't really believe it. Well, maybe they would. I mean, if it was smart casted or whatever. But it, I don't want to do something because I just want to do it. I want to do it because it's the right thing for the company. Right. So, like, with Mousetrap that we just did in, in March, I auditioned for that. It wasn't me going, oh, by the way, I will be playing this role. <laughs> and I think some people think that I did. But yeah. I, I said to the director, I said, I want to audition because I'm so busy. I don't get the opportunity to go to other companies necessarily. And with my work schedule, I couldn't even if I got it. Yeah. I want to audition. But you have a hundred percent right to say no. If I'm not right, if I don't right. fit with the other actors who are there and the chemistry's not there and whatever, then please don't cast me. Like, right. because it'll be a detriment to the show. Right. And so that's kind of the philosophy that I have. Like when I write, of course, I write something that I would like to play myself, so it'd be yeah. easier to cast me. And and film is a little different. Like I write for myself um, roles, but but yeah, I mean, you have to kind of go after it but you gotta also be realistic with your expectations like right. if you're gonna create your own career then create one that you could actually play right like or else you're just gonna fail yeah because i think people won't won't believe it if it's not yeah. real if it's not quality um i see that in the construction industry all the time mm -hmm. when people aren't putting quality first they just don't succeed yeah. Yeah. if they don't put honesty first they just yeah. don't succeed and you know, there's a few people that'll get rich quick or whatever, but eventually they they, mm -hmm. they feel that downfall. And so it's so important that you not only are honest with yourself, but honest with the industry yeah, and making absolutely. sure that you're you're just doing. A, and we get it sometimes with this podcast, and even you today, like, what were we gonna talk about? Well, we're gonna talk about whatever we talk yeah. about. Because I feel like if I said you can only talk about this for forty five minutes, yeah. and we got to study for three hours, then it's not really yeah. what we want to what we want to portray that's not who I am I'm not the guy that's going to spend hours researching Perfect. something and yeah. it just it just isn't I don't have the time I don't want to and it wouldn't be real for me to regurgitate mm -hmm. stuff that someone else wrote yeah and I think what you're saying about being truthful to the process and to what you're doing and also to the industry I think if you do that let's say you do something like for me example let's say I I said okay I'm going to audition for this role but don't cast me and they don't and I respect that and we have a good working relationship Who's to say that the next time they're casting something, they don't go, oh, that person who came in, she was amazing and she was really great to work with. She wasn't all like, you have to use me. So <laughs> well, it's my show. I'm yeah. funding this. You put me in. Yeah. I get the lead role. Like yeah. it's integrity, right? If you, yeah. if you do good work and you do hard work, eventually someone's going to take a note. Like sooner yeah. or later, someone's going to notice and it's going to pay out. I think too, a lot of people set goals like, well, I don't want to be an actor or an actress unless I'm Brad Pitt or Angelina mm -hmm. Jolie or Chris Pratt. And, and those are excellent goals to have is to yeah. get to that level. Like how amazing would it be to never have financial um, worries ever yeah. again? How awesome would it be that you get to um, finance a thousand families because of all the yeah. stuff you do? Yeah. That, that's, that I think is um, really, really high goals, but that shouldn't be um, the, the only way you go about it. Yeah. Like, well, for this year, let's set it here and mm -hmm. then we're going to work towards that. Oh yeah. A little extra, right? What makes you extraordinary? Just a little bit extra. A little bit extra. Yeah. I love that yeah. so much. It's just 
actually Mark talked about it a couple weeks ago and he, he said it a little bit differently. He says, in any industry, it's so easy to move up the ladder because all you have to do is put in an extra five minutes mm-hmm. or a little mm-hmm. tiny bit of extra and everyone looks at you and go, oh, that guy's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the supervisor role or the management yeah. role. Yeah. And I think it's true, but um, way more beneficial when you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. Well, and, and the, as I get older, I realize, you know, when you're young, you oh, I want to be that person. I want to be Sandra Bullock. I want to be, she was like my favorite when I was younger. Nice. Um, but even when she did Speed? Yeah, I love Speed. <laughs> I love Speed. I even love Cruise Control. I even love The Ship, okay? Yeah. yeah I'm a huge Sandra Bullock fan. I never saw Cruise Control. She is a great actress. Yeah. But Cruise Control was fun because it's like the Caribbean. I think they all stayed on the cruise ship and like okay. as they're filming. Oh my gosh. It would have been so much fun. I'm sorry. It's cool. Um, but I think the older I get, I realize I don't want to be anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't want to be a celebrity. I want to be me. I want to be my best. Whereas when I was younger, oh, I want to be that person. I want to be that person. But it's like, no, no, no. I want to be exactly who I am, but the best version of myself doing exactly what I want. So what do I need to do to get myself there? Yeah. Do I need to work out more? Do I need to plan more? Do I need to write more? Do I need to just force myself to be a little more social? And then be okay with, okay, I'm not that social. Like, maybe I have to be more strategic. But the older I get, I want to be me. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be anyone else. I want to be the best version of myself. That's very cool. And I think you brought up something very uh, important there is that people don't question themselves. So in business, we always talk about um, if you can't measure it, you can't manage mm-hmm. it. And so you have to measure everything in your life and go, am I doing this well? Or yeah. do I need to improve here? Or do I need to set that aside? Because I just, I, I can't do it right yeah, now. it's and too it's, much right now. Yeah. And uh, I don't think enough people take the time to evaluate where they are in life mm-hmm. and what they're doing and, and uh, um, or even coming up with those strategies like if you look at yourself as a product and like well does my product meet everybody's need yeah. oh I need it to be a different color I yeah. need it to be a different uh, yeah. size or shape or needs to be able to do this mm-hmm. and it was never able to do that before mm-hmm. and not enough people look at it with mm-hmm. those set of eyes well and I think if you get used to and maybe it's the wrong thinking but if you can get used to looking at for an actor if you can get used to looking at yourself as a product yeah. and then find out where you're okay, what product you're okay selling. Yeah. So if you're okay selling um, the villain or whatever, then work towards becoming the best villain you can be. Like not in your personal life, let's let's not go that way, but yeah. you know, work towards that. If you if you wanna be the lead and right now you're a hundred pounds overweight and, and I'm not saying anything about that against like that can be lead too, but the typical yeah. You know, Hollywood lead is, you know, light and blonde or whatever. I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah, and affairs. Yeah. Right, yeah. Then if that's really what you want, there's no reason to say that you can't get that. But you have to put a lot of work in. Right. Like if you want to play um, Black Widow on um, The Avengers. Right. Well, Black Widow is like a stealth assassin. She's going to be super lean. She's going to be super flexible. She's going to be really skilled. Yeah. Me, at my weight, and what I could never play that. And that's that's the point of like never putting yourself into something that you can't do. Like right. That's just not you. If I want to play that role, then I'm going to take the next six months to get super lean and healthy. I'm going to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow. I'm going to learn how to do these skills. Right. And then I'm going to offer myself as that product. Right. But I'm not going to go in there, offer myself with my you know lovely little tummy, and be upset when they say no. Right. Because they're looking for that product. So you've got to know what you're going for. And I'm not saying anything against big, small. I'm a big girl. You know, I still get sad when I don't get roles. But I know what my product is. Like, I, I am what I am while I am it. Yeah. So until I make any changes, 
You, you can't look like Kat, Kathy Bates and expect to get an Anna Ferris role. Oh, totally different products. Kathy Bates is this phenomenal actress, yeah. does great roles, but she's not the this typical Hollywood actress yeah. type, what people have in their mind. And yeah. if you, you understand your product, which she obviously does, yeah. she sells it very, very well, yeah. um, uh, that, that she's going to get those yeah. parts. And then put it on the flip side, Anna Ferris could never do a Kathy Bates role. You no. would never even consider Anna. No. What like, was the movie that Kathy Bates did when she uh, smashed the guy's ankles? Oh, um... Was it um not James Woods. Yeah, James... What's James Caan. Con. James Caan, yeah. right. Uh, um, not Deliverance. No. But that... How scary Kathy Bates would... Yeah. Anna Ferris would never be that scary. No, Nothing you it, could right? do. Like, I'll smash you, you little yeah. girl. <laughs> and that's why I think it's so important to know your product. Yeah. Uh, to work to develop that product. Because then you're going to nail the role you get. As opposed to being put into something and people being like, yeah. you can't really do that very well. Right. Just know who you are. And if you're if you're a toothpick, if you're a giant, if you're whatever, it doesn't really matter. Well, I know guys like uh, Adam Sandler and you know a lot of the SNL staff get a lot of flack where like, well, you just play the same role over and over again. And they sort of do. Yeah. But again, they, they know the business, they know their product, so that's what they're going to mm-hmm. play. And uh, they can be very, very successful yeah. at it. And then you get other people like uh, Brad Pitt, uh, who, who doesn't play the same role mm-hmm. twice. Like he's played from dad to scientist to model to... But what did he come in as? What was the product that he came in as? I don't even remember he what came his first in at, like, um, So if you're looking at like Thelma and Louise, he was in that one. Legends of the Falls. He was in Thelma and yeah. Louise? I <laughs> yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Legends of the Falls, I know yeah. well. But he still has a kind of a type, right? And he became a star, and now he can branch out. Right. Now he's a, he's allowed. Not that he's not talented in those roles, but now he's earned or, or has the money now that he can... Now he can play. Now yeah. he can stretch his acting muscles. Now he can play the roles that you'd be like, ah... Uh, well, you're Brad Pitt, so if you want to play it, sure, you know, and we'll go to it because we want to see what you're going to do. Yeah. But, I mean, some people hate being a character actor. Yeah. Character actors work. It's if you want a job, job then, yeah. then become a character that people want, and there you go. Do you know the new role that Brad Pitt's playing on, I think it's uh, Jim Jeffries' comedy show? Oh, no. So he has a... Uh, I don't want to call it a skit comedy show. I don't think it's exactly. I haven't seen a whole bunch of it, but I was listening to a podcast with Jim Jeffries and he had met Brad Pitt at some event and Brad says, oh, I'd really like to do something with you. So you don't miss an opportunity to have a name like that on your show. So they, you know, they go into their production meeting and Jim Jeffries or everyone's coming up with ideas like, oh, we need to give him like a starring role and he Mm. needs to play like the bad Brad Pitt role. And Jim Jeffries is like, no, I don't think that this is a comedy show. I know comedy. Yeah. we have to do something that's so outside of his realm, that's what's going to be funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, they bring Brad Pitt in, they offer him all these roles, and he's rolling his eyes, and like, this is ridiculous, mm-hmm. I don't know what I even offered to do this for. And then Jim Jeffries goes, you want to be the uh, weatherman? He's like, yeah, I want to be the weatherman. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was the most absurd thing, and it's going to be you know minutes instead of days yeah. and yeah. stuff like that, and it fit perfectly. And Jim Jeffries saw it. And it was nothing that Brad Pitt probably had ever done before. Mm-hmm. So now he has his role as this comedic weatherman yeah. on a you know yeah. a British sitcom or a skit comedy yeah. show. Um, that to me is like he's built himself up so big now that he gets like you were saying mm-hmm. pick and choose whatever mm-hmm. he wants. But it was uh, very cool to hear that story and realize that you know everyone thinks because he's Brad Pitt that he has to be at the center of yeah. attention. He has to be, and it's not what he yeah. wanted. And if they're quality people, they don't. I would imagine, I would hope, that they don't mind doing the smaller roles. Like, I think I I love it when I see a film and then all of a sudden you're like, what? 
that was Brad Pitt right. for like 30 seconds or like yeah. he had a cameo like I was watching 100 Ways to Die in the West which love Rachel don't so tell my mom funny. but yeah <laughs> it's super funny and there were so many cameos in that one there I was know. like I think um, uh, um, Ewan McGregor oh yeah, yeah I think Ewan McGregor had a cameo on that one I'm trying to think now. It's been a while since I've seen it. Matt Damon. I tried to put it out of my mind. Ava, when she was 11, I think we were in church talking about the movie. She's like, I watched that. I'm like, what? (laughs) So she uh, unfortunately had unlimited access to uh, Netflix and was like, watch whatever she wanted. And she thought it was the funniest show ever. But yeah, the cameos were amazing. Even um, um, uh, Django Unchained. uh, That was a great movie. No, who's the guy? The... um, Django Unchained. Um, oh my gosh, I can't Singer, believe comedy actor. Yeah. Uh, oh, I gotta look it up now. I'm so sorry, I cannot remember his name. Yeah. He was in. It was IMDb. Oh, something Fox. Fox. Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jamie Fox. Yeah. yeah. He pops in for like two seconds as a cameo, and I love that. I love yeah. seeing. Even in um, Ragnarok, Thor. Yeah. Um, Matt Damon. Yeah, did a little cameo right. in there too, and I think, Jeff Goldblum was in that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's cool. I think yeah. when these big stars, because they're now at a place where they just want to play. Right. You know, even even some of the stuff that um, Anthony Hopkins was doing in Ragnarok, playing because he was playing. Right. Okay, I won't say because I want to ruin anything. But anyways, he had some fun moments in there, and then he had some really dramatic moments. Right. So yeah, yeah. I watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. a couple nights ago, and uh, I can't remember his name either. This is horrible. Uh, from <laughs> so Step Brothers, Will Ferrell, not Will Ferrell, the other guy uh, from oh Step Brothers. He played the like captain guy in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Like that guy's a big name, and he mm-hmm. had such a tiny role in that movie. Yeah, I gotta look it up because now I feel like a dill hole for not. <laughs> not. Um, I swear we're in the industry. I know. <laughs> Uh, John C. Riley. John C. Riley. I yeah. love John He C. is Riley. so funny, and that was a pretty, not a serious role, because mm-hmm. it's Guardians of the Galaxy, but um, it was way more challenging. Well, I don't even want to say that, because I think comedic roles are super, super challenging, yeah. too. I think they're hard, yeah. almost harder than dramatic, because people want to play the comedy, but you got to play the truth and allow the comedy to just be what it is. It's just not that funny when you're when you're not a funny person. Yeah, or when yeah. you're playing the comedy. It's like, oh, here's a joke coming. You're like, no, just, just do the scene. That's how I feel um, Two Broke Girls is, and yeah. uh, even, what's the big one? Uh, big Bang Theory. Like, it seems like they've timed it perfectly. Like, mm-hmm. this is the punchline. Mm-hmm. Wait, three seconds. This is, or three minutes. This yeah. is the punchline. Three minutes. This is the punchline. Yeah. I kind of feel like when Big Bang, I have it, I have to say, I haven't watched a lot of it. When it first came out, it was hilarious. And then yeah. as, now they know what the audience likes, and so now they're trying to yeah. create that. Um, I like do think they're formula. better than, yeah, I do think they're better. Oh, and there's definitely a formula in yeah. comedy, in drama, in whatever. Yeah. But, again, they're doing it, I'm not. It's scary when you think about, they can... They can dictate the public so well. Mm-hmm. Like, how many sitcoms fail nowadays because they have these psychological backgrounds and this is what the audience mm-hmm. wants? And mm-hmm. as long as you're the actor that's willing to go in and go, and then you're off you go. The thing about Two Broke Girls that I didn't like, um, maybe the comedy's in there or whatever, but I felt like uh, it was a studio audience that the applause sign went up or the laugh sign Laugh-track. went up and you'd be like ha 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 yeah. S- instead of uh, having a real studio audience and just allowing them to laugh at what was funny and just allowing the actors just to play because I think sure I think there is a lot of humor in the writing and situational comedy or whatever but yeah. because it's like 
this is where I want the laugh to happen. And maybe the laugh naturally would have happened two lines later. Yeah. It's, it's forced. Right. So I think that's where, in my opinion, that's what I don't like about that show. Comedians talk about that a lot on how they're, they're reading their audience and presenting the words based on how their audience is reacting, like giving them enough time to mm-hmm. laugh and, and building up to a specific laugh mm-hmm. where, okay, I can't use the big joke right away because yeah. Yeah. they need to be warmed up yeah. to be able to get that this is, this is funny or yeah. the, to get the big laugh out of them. Yeah. And uh, someone was saying just recently, it's a form of hypnotism and uh, um, it's, a, it's an MMA guy. He actually, he will hypnotize fighters uh, to help them get through, but he's saying stand-up comedian, public speaking, and, mm-hmm. and even sitcoms are a form of hypnotism, hmm. um, which is one reason why I don't love regular TV is because you just feel like you're getting drawn into yeah. this. and like, why am I even watching yeah. this in two it's hours? Two hour, yeah. And you're, you've wasted your day. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I feel like I've been duped for all yeah. this time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, in a, in a live studio audience, you have to make it funny and the mm-hmm. timing has to be right and the audience will laugh at the right time. And I think that makes for better actresses or yeah. actors. And I think that's why I show like, um, way back, like back in the day with Tim Allen. Oh, Tool Time? Tool or? Time, or like that show. But that, like some of those shows, um, Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. I think Everybody Loves Raymond was filmed with a real studio audience. And so the laughter actually happened. I don't know, maybe they did have the applause sign, maybe they did have the laugh, whatever. But it felt more genuine, it felt yeah. more natural. Like the Well, they had there. two professional comedians on that oh. show, too. So those guys knew yeah. how to play an audience yeah. inside and out. Brad Garrett and, um, why did I forget his name, Ray Romano. Romano. Yeah. Those dudes are funny yeah. dudes. Yeah. yeah, and that's a different thing, too, instead of just throwing in two actors. But yeah. it's kind of like in theater. Um, one of the things that you always tell a cast is, like, you know, there's some funny stuff going, even in, even in dramas. You know, be aware that people might laugh and don't ramrod over it. Right. Give it space. Yeah. But don't give it too much space. Right. right? So just be a, you have to be aware of your audience. It's weird because you have to be totally engaged in the scene and we have what's called the fourth wall, which is where the audience sits and that's supposed to be the closing of the room. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to be aware if a laughter happens, if something happens, just breathe, allow it to kind of play and then keep going. Well, that's got to be difficult to do because you're with a play, you're auditioning. Uh, or not addition, you're practicing over and over and mm-hmm. over again, expecting one thing, and if the audience gives you something else, yeah. and you have to be able to, almost like a, a live speech or, yeah. or a comedy act, yeah. you have to be able to read it. Well, good actors are improv... Uh, Improvisational? Imp- Improvisational, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, I would say, like, you have to be, not that you're great at improv games or whatever, but you have to be able to kind of go on your feet, because I will share a story from yeah. Mousetrap. We were doing a scene, and <laughs> everything was going wrong. Yeah. Like the this light, was live? this was live. This okay. is our matinee show. The lights didn't go down properly when the murderer came out, and so people could actually see who it was. <laughs> um, the sound effects were having a problem one day, so you actually couldn't hear the radio. The door, you couldn't hear the door open, so our actor like knocked on the set wall. And then my personal horror was um, I'm doing. I have in this play, I had three scenes with three different actors. And I stood up for my second scene, going into my favorite scene that I got to argue with my husband on stage. And as I stood up, I was like, huh, still in the scene, but I was like, my slip. I, I feel something hitting the back of my leg. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah. And then as I, I took a step, I was like, oh my gosh, my slip is sliding down to, to like... Wardrobe malfunction. War, yeah, wardrobe <laughs> malfunction in the worst way. 
So my slip was actually down probably about a half a foot from oh, my wow. skirt. Um, the scene we were supposed to play on the front of the stage, fighting back and forth or whatever, because of my slip, I was like trying to hold it through my dress. I, I walked behind the, the chair and I was thinking, can I get it off? But then like, I didn't know what to do. So I'm holding it there. I'm arguing, like we're in an argument or like really angry kind of thing. Yeah. And then the scene keeps going. People walk on. I have to walk around holding my slip until I can go off stage and pull it off. It was horrible. I was so embarrassed. And then we had a judge there. We had someone who was adjudicating the production. And yeah. she said, the only slip up I saw was Chelsea's slip. But, oh. but she handled it very well. Yeah. But like that, if you're not able to handle whatever comes at you on stage, that could kill you. Yeah. That could have stopped an actor and been like, I, I can't I even go do. on. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, you know. sorry. My slips. Can I fix yeah. this? Excuse me. <laughs> well, then I thought, like my teacher, when I was in training, she always says, what's the truth? Like when we had done our dress rehearsal, my belt fell off. Like, had a lot of problems with my costume in the show. <laughs> but I just, the actor and I, a different actor, we just kept going. I picked it up. I put it in my pocket, whatever. Yeah. So afterwards, I'm like, how, if that was actually happening, maybe I should have just taken it off. Like, maybe I should have been like, I'm so mad. I'm arguing. I'm taking a slip off. But I, oh my gosh, it was horrible. Yeah. It was a horrible, horrible <laughs> moment. But an example of how you don't know what's going to happen. I had another play where we had a, someone had filled the cream of the tray of tea full. Yeah. And the tray was like over, I don't even know what happened. And when I set it down, the tea tipped, or the cream were tipped over. Cream went everywhere on stage. Oh, wow. And I'm in the middle of the scene, so I run off stage, grab whatever I could find, come back on, keep the scene going, clean up the cream, which is nothing to do with my blocking or whatever, Yeah. and just keep going, because what do you do in real life? And so I think good improvisationalists yeah um you have to be able to do that you don't know what's going to happen i think uh, that's a, a showing the professionalism that you have yeah. as well as that you can recognize like okay this is going really bad and you're not so stunned by it like mm -hmm. you know your role inside and out and so you're evaluating okay what would this person yeah. do if their slip fell off yeah. their belt fell off yeah. and so yeah that's that's definitely uh professionalism at its at its highest <laughs> when you can do what you're doing and not uh, not let it break, and then still have all those yeah. thoughts in the background. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm turning red right now. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, uh, was a humility. You have to have a little bit of humility oh, in everything yeah. you do. That yeah. uh, if we were all perfect, then uh, it would be a pretty miserable world. It wouldn't be fun. No, I mean no. you wouldn't have stories like this to tell people. Or, exactly. Yeah. Have you uh, had the chance to work with any professional or more recognizable actors? actresses hmm. I've worked with some local uh, Valerie Plante I've worked with David Larini if you're in the industry in Calgary you'd know, you them. know them um, like I said on on um, Into the West I don't I can't think of their names but I've seen them in tons of stuff okay um, but no not really I haven't had the, yeah. the pleasure of working with some of the bigger how much of the Alberta industry do you think is governed by um, like politics and, and stuff oh, like that? Huge. I know when, when I lived in BC, uh, we had, they used to call it Hollywood North in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. this, it was mm -hmm. just a massive amount of acting jobs and productions mm -hmm. all the time. And then the government came in and started taxing them. And they're all like, all right, we'll go back to Hollywood. And yeah. they all bailed out and, yeah. and ran away. Well, Alberta for the longest time, and I have to preface this, that I don't really engage in politics too much because... <laughs> but anyways, Alberta had really great tax incentives for film companies. Um, and with our prairies and our mountains, Alberta, like Calgary even, is just prime for filming. A lot of big films have been filmed yeah. here. 
the um, Brad Pitt one you just uh, Legends of the Falls Legends was of the Falls, here yeah. Inception had some stuff filmed here yeah. um, Brokeback Mountain was filmed here which won uh, I think it won for cinematography thank you Alberta yeah um, so there's some really great incentives meaning that you know when you bring your film up here you get money back and it, it was a reason to come here also we have amazing uh, crew yeah to uh, like world class crew that works here um, but a lot of that has changed and I hear a lot of it from uh, my friends and stuff in the industry like the tax incentives aren't really there the funding's cut um, so the politics does it's it's a huge uh, influencer of what comes in and what goes out yeah. um, I, th- I think things are okay right now like I know that the Notley government was trying to support it quite a bit not Whatever. Politics. Someone's screaming in the background right now, going, "You liar! That's not what she's yeah, doing." Yeah, that's not what she's doing. I. And this is the thing. I don't. I find that I don't engage with politics enough to really be able to say with with um, confidence. Yeah. But I'm more of a conservative gal. Yeah. Um, we won't even go there. Anyways, yes, politics definitely influences because they do give you the tax benefits, and and when you're looking at a film that like maybe like uh, Inception didn't really matter because they had like fifty million billion dollars but for the small indie flicks that are coming up um those tax incentives are huge so if they're not getting them they will definitely go where their dollar is better so i know for a while there um alberta lost out to bc because at for the time their tax incentives became better because we had lost a lot of ours and now it's very fluid it goes back and forth kind of so And Canada yeah. needs to do a better job than next. We have a lot of talent up here. You said like the crews and stuff like yeah. that um, are Ooh, really amazing. Yeah. yeah. And the, the challenge with acting, just to vent, yeah. um, they'll bring in the talent. Like we have some actors here who are crazy talented. Um, they just need a chance. Yeah. But because it's a bigger production, they'll bring in the talent from Toronto. It's like, well, okay, great, but you could save yourself money if you just use this. But there's there's union regulations and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, I was actually talking to a friend about one of the theater companies in Calgary, they've announced their season and they're doing photos and stuff, and it's like, man, the two actresses that they have coming up in this show, phenomenal, really talented ladies, but they were in like four shows of the season last year, Yeah. and it's like, why not give another unknown the opportunity? I mean, I know you go with what you know, right? So if you know they're phenomenal, why would you hire someone else? You're just going to bring them in. Yeah. But I kind of feel like it's challenging because you never get to bring up those other people that could just knock your socks off. Right. Mind you, if I was in the situation that they were bringing me back after four shows in the previous season, I probably would be thrilled. And... No, no, no. I'll let someone else take yeah. it this time. Yeah, I probably would <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, every industry has its challenges and, mm. uh, you know, if you want to get into politics, it would be a long road and, mm. and then what are you missing by doing that? Um, mm. And there is lots of talent. Uh, Kim Cheel, who uh, mm. you work with regularly, she's super, super talented yeah. actress. Um, there's some of the young people that came up through your programs in Torchlight. Oh, yeah. Drago. Um, Drago's is so well, and he's got the look too. Yeah, right? he's yeah. Really he's one of the guys. Player. He to me, and I have told him this. He's got the look. He's super talented, and he's humble and has a good work ethic. Yeah. He will go as far as he wants to go. Right. I think if he wants to be a blockbuster star, I think he'll get there. Yeah. But it's up to him. That that's where choice comes in because he has the talent. He has the look. 
Yeah. And he has the work ethic. And it's willing to, to go and put the work in and sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that here in Alberta. If you're going to yeah. do that, it's going to be minimally in Toronto if you're staying yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Um, you can do it in Alberta, but you got to be crazy creative. Like, that would be more of a, ooh, I have money. Let's create a career. Um, we got the industry here. Like, we got the filmmakers and stuff. So here's the script. Put some money behind it. Bring in a big name. And maybe. But that... It's easier. It's more likely to happen if you go to Vancouver or Toronto yeah, or down to LA. Down yeah. to the States somewhere. Yeah. yeah, that's unfortunate, but the you know, if that's what you really want to mm-hmm. do, then you gotta you gotta follow that yeah. line right to the end. Yeah. And yeah. He's super, super talented kid. I think he's been in almost every one of your plays, hasn't he's he? been in so he first started acting in Robin Hood. That was actually his first audition. Okay. He was he was very nervous. Um sorry, Drago, telling your secrets. <laughs> um and then he did He's done some of the cl- he did one of the classes I think and then he did the we did a film camp last summer so he did that yeah and then he did uh, we did a um, Remembrance Day film not on this night or film play not on this night he did that one and then he just was that in. was an awesome one yeah they did a really good job on that one and he's hungry and and the thing that I think will go be good for him is he's humble yeah like he's talented and some kids at that age if they had that talent they'd be like well I'm so amazing and whatever yeah. He just, he's about the work and nice. he's about, um, he's not even about being huge. He wants to work as an artist. He's like, oh, if I became a Brad Pitt, that'd be amazing. But yeah. he wants to work. It's as not an his goal set. His goal set is just yeah. to be in the industry and yeah. do what he can. And yeah. yeah. Those are the guys that go. I, uh, I often, it's funny because I talk about this with, uh, relationships that I didn't meet my wife until I was 30. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of at a point where like, I'm done trying to find a wife yeah. and I, I literally gave up. And then the next person I dated was my yeah. wife and you're like, oh, well now I got a wife. Well, it worked well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well, it's not working for me, dad. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you need to be more social or get on TV. If you go on TV, you'd have a thousand guys knocking on your door. You know what? It's funny. I watch that, like, I don't watch it, but I, I have watched uh, The Bachelor or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, that is not real. That is not real. My wife watched that show and I cringe. It's like watching a train wreck. It is. And they, they bring in, like, the, the men or the women that they bring in. They bring in a couple, like, quality people. And then they bring in, like, crazy nutcases oh, on for both sure. ends yeah. just to make it entertaining. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not a super jealous person, but if I liked a girl and I watched her making out with another guy, I would either leave the show or, or knock the daylights out of that yeah. guy. There'd be no, like, oh, well, hopefully I get to do that with her next time. What? Yeah, Are yeah. you kidding me? That is... But how is that the start of a good relationship? You yeah, cheated yeah. with seven other men and I watched <laughs> yeah, it happen. Exactly. I love you. Yeah. I but just, it's so, it's, it's entertainment. It's, it sells, it sells. Really? Crazy sells. Uh, we talked about it, um, actually I think the last podcast I did with Mark, we were talking about mental health and you know, with the death of um, uh, Anthony uh, Bourdain. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it was actually the anniversary of two of my friends' suicides as well. Oh. And, uh, um, but people that are mentally ill is, is um, the normal standard. Like, and people compared to the rest of the population, mm-hmm. they're so awesome to be around. Uh, they're so much fun and creative and, and they really are way, way deeper than what we give them credit for just because mm-hmm. they don't act like us. And so I watch that show and I think that's why the population likes yeah. it is that there's just so much crazy on that show. Well, and that's why people go to theater. They want to see real people in extreme circumstances. Right. Like if you go to a movie, if you're going to an action show and the action is oh my gosh, I ran out of gas and I had to change a flat tire and it was winter. You'd be like, 
But if you're like, oh my gosh, my car was pushed yeah. off the road, and then I found out I was a secret agent, and I didn't know this, and I had to learn these skills, you're like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Like, people, we live we live the, the flat tires on the side of the road. That's life. Yeah. We don't live the, suddenly I found out I'm a sleeper agent. Like Aliens coming out of space, and yeah. I've got this skill set no one else has to defeat them. Yeah, I can use my pen to kill them. You know, like, <laughs> that's what people want to see. That's entertainment. Exactly. And, and I get it. And then there's some, even even the dramas. You know, there may be a little more realism, but they're still extreme. Like, they're still Way people in extreme moments. So it'd be like you um, in a moment that you... Okay, I'll see me. Me finding out that my husband has cancer and is also cheating on me. Yeah. That's, that could happen. Yeah. That's a real situation. But we don't know... People don't normally see that. So right. we're engaged to watch it because it's like, oh, what's going to happen? What would I do in that situation? That's right. So it's still an extreme circumstance, but... It's not aliens coming out of the sky to kill us, yeah. but, yeah. Well, I think that's the the basis of a good movie, is if the population looks at it and go, what would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Or, I want to be that guy, or mm-hmm. I want to, right? And so yeah. we, we work towards those goals based on the, yeah. the actors and actresses. And you got to catch them in the first five minutes. If you don't catch them in the first five minutes, they'll watch it out of, like, right. oh, okay, fine, I'll watch it, but it's like... <sighs> I'm guilty of flipping through Netflix, and if I don't like the picture, yeah. I'm not well, watching I'm, that. I'm the same way. There's once in a while that I'm like, okay, like... I remember I was trying to look for a TV series and Luther, I don't know if you've seen Luther, with Idris Elba. The the picture wasn't great, but I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Amazing. Like, if you haven't seen Luther, watch Luther. BBC, Idris Elba is is amazing. It's a series. I think it's got three. So the series in the UK is a little bit different. They're like four hour and a half long episodes, and then he's got like three or four of them, whatever. But, But it was like. If you went by the photo, you'd be like, meh, whatever. But it was so good. Like, it was so engaging. Sorry, you need to talk for a couple seconds longer. Okay. Um, another one. <laughs> um, yeah, so don't, you know, that goes back to the whole don't do the book by its cover. Um, but yeah. Sorry, I forgot to plug in my laptop, oh. and it was dying. I was like, oh, if I lose this podcast, I'm going to be so mad at myself. So I uh, moved the computer just before you got here and didn't plug it back in. But we're good now. Excellent, yeah. excellent. We yeah. have technical difficulties on almost every single podcast. But see, this is real life. This is people in extreme circumstances, Chad. Uh, last podcast, Nicole cleaned the kitchen and left for work, um, and she put the timer on the dishwasher. Oh, no. And so we're sitting here in our studio, <laughs> and the dishwasher turns on. I'm like, what the... <laughs> Yeah. One of the movies talking about Netflix again, uh, Ex Machina. Uh, oh. I was told it's a phenomenal movie, and I've grazed past it a hundred times. Going, that looks so stupid. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm, that's my plan tonight is to watch that one. What one is that one? I think it has something to do with um, like um, AI kind of taking oh, over the world, okay, okay. and supposedly it's very, very realistic and, and mm. scary. And so, yeah. Watch it tonight. Maybe yeah. we'll review it next time. Doing a podcast. There you go. Have you ever watched? Um, I think it's called District Nine. Yeah, I think I have. That, that was a long time. ago. It was a while ago. Yeah. I think I was still in college. But I think of the power and influence that film has. I remember leaving that movie. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> it's the coffee. Uh, I I left that movie almost being disgusted at being human because they were able to do something in the film um, because it was aliens versus humans kind of but that we have done as humans versus humans Mm -hmm. but they were able to do it in a way that we didn't go that person that race is wrong it was like humans versus aliens and they shone a light and that's what I love about film and that's what I love about what you can access on Netflix there are some films on there that you're like 
Yeah, like it's at the the tip of your fingers, right? Like Dunkirk is another one that I think. I didn't know one either. Oh my gosh. Dunkirk and Luther. Dunkirk and Luther. Luther yeah. is um, just a fiction story. He's about a cop in, in uh, Britain. Yeah. Dunkirk is about the Battle of Dunkirk. And, and I avoided it for a long time because I, when it's true stories and something as horrific as war, I have, it really hits me and it lingers for a long time and I struggle to deal with it because um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm an emotional person because I'm, I'm an actor. Yeah. But finally, I happened to catch it on TV. It was on one of the movie channels, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch. And I think I was maybe a quarter way through when I started. Yeah. It's so beautiful. The way that they're able to just show this experience, but it didn't leave you totally wrecked. Like, they could have done it where they showed everyone dying and everyone, and just left you with like, oh, you know, and your soul's raw. But there was just something about the way that they did it. Mm-hmm. Um that it was just such a good film. So if you haven't seen Dunkirk, see it. That actually brings up a question from me. So when, uh, I know you do a lot of writing and you have plans for, for books and movies. Mm-hmm. When you're writing them, do you, is that what you're trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve some sort of emotion from your crowd? Are you just releasing kind of the artistic um, stuff that you have inside mm-hmm. you? Like, do you have a goal when you start? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it starts first with an idea, like um, the book that I'm writing right now, um, there was a concept that I was like, ooh, this would be really interesting. And then from there it goes, well, what can I say with this? Is it just pure entertainment or is there a point? And so most of my things, I try to find a central point. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the book that I'm writing, currently called Faces, but it'll probably change a hundred times, the central point is forgiveness. Um, And can you forgive and forget is basically it. So that, not that the whole book is forgiveness, 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 but it's, it's centered around there. So my point is I want to start with whatever and then come to the end and have the reader go, hmm, maybe I can forgive that person or maybe I should or yeah. I'm not ready to, but they've listened, you know, they read the whole thing. Yeah. Same thing with films. Like, is there a point to it? Like, I don't just want to, although I love entertainment, I love, you know, big Marvel movies and stuff, but even Marvel movies have good versus evil and making yeah. the hard choice and stuff. So I do, I do kind of find that um, it starts with the story, and then I try to see what kind of point can I make with it. Cool. Yeah. Jordan Peterson talks about um, why specific movies or stories are more popular than others, so Marvel or Harry Potter or whatever, mm-hmm. one of those type of movies, mm-hmm. and he says almost exclusively. That the the movies that reach the highest level have a biblical story behind them. Interesting. That they're yeah. an archetypal uh, baseline. Mm-hmm. That that uh, um, they're they're stealing a story out of the Bible, mm-hmm. and that's um, deep down inside of all of us. We know those stories yeah. are are what lead our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it was interesting when he, a psychologist, pointed that out and uh, mm-hmm. that, that you see that. So now when I'm watching movies, I'm like, well, what story is this based mm-hmm. off of? And you can almost always yeah. find it. I mean, even like a um, movie like The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel or whatever. It happened to be on TV, so I watched it. Um, <laughs> even that is good versus evil. Yeah. You know, and how many times in the Bible or in anything, like, we like to see good triumph over evil. Yeah. The shows that I feel so ugh after are ones where you're like, oh, it's going great, and then all of a sudden, the good guy suddenly dies, and you're like, I just spent two hours and you just killed him off? Like, are you kidding me? I can't. I just watched one recently that I was like, I'm disgusted right now because... 
we we there's so much crap in the world that when you go in my opinion when you go to watch a movie or something you want to uh, or let me put it this way when i create art or when i do something i want people to leave encouraged fired up um maybe challenged but left with like a good taste in their mouth i don't want them leaving with like oh i feel rotten or i'm so disappointed or my soul hurts like i've gone to some shows and um seen some movies where you leave and you're just like i think i'm actually more depressed than i was when i went in i find that with horror movies a lot that they don't they don't hit uh an emotion or a nerve like it's just about startling you it's like um Uh, what are they called? Uh, comics that just that blurt out swears. Yeah, for shock value. Shock value. Yeah. That those movies, uh, almost exclusively when I watch them, I walk away and I'm like, oh, I just wasted two hours. Mm-hmm. I'm so mad that I watched that. Yeah. Or if they don't wrap it up well. And I think um, Netflix, I think that's one of their rules. When they finance a, a series or a movie, mm-hmm. they're like, you need to wrap this up in whatever amount of episodes mm-hmm. we're giving you. If it's six episodes, yeah. that's the end of the story. If you get a second yeah. season, you'll do that again. Yeah. again. And, you know, Ozark was like that. It oh, okay. was, uh, I don't know if you've seen that with Jason Bateman. Uh, phenomenal series on there. But at the end of the season, it was fully wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, is this really the end? Or can I get yeah. another series out of this? So it was fantastic. BBC is very much like that. If you watch um, Luther or Sherlock Holmes, their seasons... I feel do a really good job of wrapping up so that the last episode is not necessarily a cliffhanger it might it might throw in in the last second a cliffhanger to bring you into a totally new story in the new season yeah but the the season itself is contained so you're not your heart's not broken like I remember watching a a tv series in Canada it was in college it was called John Doe Okay. And the cliffhanger of season one was so mind-blowing that my friend called me, like, seconds afterwards. She's like, can you believe that's who it was? And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then, like, we found out that it got canceled. Oh. And it wrecked me because I was like, you can't do that. You yeah. can't do that. So I'm of the mindset that if you're going to do a TV series, at least wrap it up to the satisfaction and then maybe leave a hint of something that, oh, right. if it gets picked up, great. If not, whatever. But BBC is really good for that. I gave up on two series that I absolutely love for the exact same reason. So the 100, a really, mm. really good series. But the I think they had some financing issues or something went on and uh, they kind of stopped mid-season, then tried to restart mm-hmm. it again. And uh, they just never, ever ended well yeah, on any yeah. season and so it was so madly I'm like I don't care if you put on new ones yeah. I'm not watching anymore and it messes with you like I'm sorry it actually messes with you emotionally yeah. like, it, like it messes with you and your brain because you if they're doing their job you're trying to engage with the audience in a real authentic emotional way and so if they're doing it well you're totally engaged right and then if it like all of a sudden stops it's almost like having a relationship with someone and they just stop talking to you and disappear and right. you're like Oh, what, what did I, what, what did I do? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, maybe people are going to roll their eyes at that, but it is like yeah. art is like acting. You're trying to get a truthful, emotional response in imaginary circumstances. Yeah. Anger is anger. Love is love. Fear is fear. Right. So if you're feeling those real emotions watching this show and then suddenly they cut it off, um, you're going to feel that loss. It's going to be, your emotions are actually going to feel I've lost something. I wonder how many producers or directors or filmmakers that's our goal is to like you know really strike people as like i need a second one but i'm not going to do a second one well i think most producers probably want to do for money and if the money's out there then that's probably why yeah but i do think there are some who who they want to have that control maybe yeah have you heard about um 13 reasons why 
Have you heard much about that? The only thing I remember is that uh, it was talking a lot about teen suicide mm-hmm. or something like that. And so I was like, ah, I don't want my kids to watch that. So yeah. I talked to them about not watching it. I don't think they have. Yeah. but I've heard uh, a little bit about the end of season two, and it's pretty graphic. It's pretty... Um, is it about suicide? Well, the show's about suicide, but then it's about all the stuff that they left. I haven't watched it myself, okay. but my friend was telling me about it. Because I don't think... I'm not good with that. Like, I, I think it's too emotionally raw, and I also... I struggle with that because these are younger actors. So maybe they're 18 and over, maybe 18 to 20 or whatever, playing these younger kids, whatever. But I feel like it, you're affecting your audience. You're having They're having an emotional response to some really negative stuff. And yeah. I won't repeat it because people watch the show or whatever. But your actors as well. Like you can't tell me that an actor who has to, let's say, murder someone, I don't know about the show, but, or has to, has to be attacked or whatever repeatedly to get the right shot or, or abused or whatever. Yeah, it's acting. Yeah, you're in a safe environment. Yeah, you can say no. But if the point is to have truthful emotions and imaginary circumstances, then this person's actually having fear emotions yeah. that will affect them. And some of the stuff that they're doing with some of these younger actors... I don't think it's right. I think it's I think it's dangerous for the actor, and yeah. I think it's affecting the audience. And and I know that some of they've been talking about how they're doing it to bring awareness because these things actually do happen to people. And I value that. I think that's great yeah. that they want to do that. But I think there's a fine line on what you can do and what you're showing. And I I just hope that the actors as they grow that this experience won't won't wreck them. wreck them I think about that quite a bit with uh, you brought it up a while ago saying that there's certain roles that you don't want to do because mm-hmm. of sexual contact or nudity or, or anything yeah. like that and uh, that that's that's noble for sure and then I think about that with my daughter that if you know there's a role like because I know what they do with these young girls and how they make them look yeah. and feel yeah. and you see it in modeling a uh, fair amount where they have these 13 14 year old girls and they're scantily dressed mm-hmm. and and I'm not okay with that and I don't I don't think my my daughter's okay with that yeah. either um, but how would you deal with that at the mm-hmm. time and you know I think back to um, poltergeist mm-hmm. uh, and what they put those kids through in the first ones with yeah. all the you know how did that not cause terror yeah. and I've never been on a set so I don't know how really scary yeah. it is on a set but it's still you know death destruction um, mm-hmm. evil well and I think like I had said before, acting, we're trying to get truthful emotions. So even if there's cameras, lights, and everything, and you're feeling truthful, if you're in the moment with someone and you're feeling those emotions, even though you can shut them off quick, it lingers. Like, um, there's a movie, I think it's called The Mayor. Mark Wahlberg's in it, and uh, Russell Crowe. But there's a scene in it where his girlfriend, um, and sorry if I remember this movie, it's an older movie, so you should all have seen it. Um, his girlfriend's an actress and she gets this indie project and, and she says, you know, there's some sex in it or whatever. And he's like, you know what? I support you, what you're doing. And so it comes to the preview night. And this is like a total side story to the main story. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, so he's sitting in the audience and they're excited and she's really excited and he's excited for her. And then he's watching it and it's like porno, basically the scene that she does in this film. And you can just see him get more and more uncomfortable and more and more uncomfortable. And the girlfriend's getting more uncomfortable and then the next scene, they're in the bar or whatever, and they have a blowout because he says, you said it was a little art piece. He's like, so, and what I say is, how can you, let's say an actor, um, how can you be in a committed relationship with someone and say, okay, in this film, I have to do a sex scene, like a graphic nudity, graphic sex scene, right. and expect that your spouse, because it's truthful emotions, whether it's fake circumstances, yeah. not have a, 
not be like, well, I'm jealous. Like, I'm angry. I'm, did you like him? Does he like you? Is there any, like, how can you Was stop Was there a those? spark in that kiss? Yeah. Or, like, how can you embrace somebody that way? Yeah, and not have it yeah. affect you. So I, I can see why I think, and maybe I'm totally off base, but... Maybe that's why some marriages don't work in Hollywood. I was just going to say, like, how jealousy. can... Yeah. And there's polygamy and oh, uh, polyamorous yeah. polyamorous uh, relationships. Yeah. Uh, that, and to that, each their own or whatever, but... Exactly. But it, it would explain why there's so many divorces out there mm-hmm. and why people... But then there's there's long-term uh, relationships that seem fine, too, that yeah. they, they can make it through it all, no problem. Yeah. I, I would not be okay if my wife was an actress making out with some dude on TV. I'm yeah. like, oh, go pound the crap yeah. out of that guy. You're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing. Like, when I pick roles, pick roles, like, they're just speaking to me. When I go for a role, I try to think, um, you know, would I be okay with my dad watching this? Yeah. You know? Am I okay with my brother? And am I okay with one day my kids, when they're older, watching this? Right. If I can't answer yes to all those, then it's probably not something I'm going to do. And I got a pretty cool family. Like, yeah. they'd be okay with me doing relative stuff. But there's just some stuff that's like, mm, I'm just not going to do it. It's just not worth it. Yeah, I think it's, uh, and for some people it would be challenging. Other people, you know, they're totally Teach fine. Own, right. Yeah, exactly. And and what's your end goal? Like, oh, i got to make out with these five guys and mm-hmm. I'm going to get a million dollars and then I never have to do it again. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can move on. Yeah. And if you're okay with that, great. If, you know, mm-hmm. that's the Harvey Weinstein thing, right? That mm-hmm. how many actresses did it. did it because they knew it was financially beneficial. Yeah. Um, and they, they were okay with that, mm-hmm. which each their own. Yeah. I've seen some indie films and, and I, and I kind of laugh because it's an indie film. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah. It wasn't very good. But these girls who get a role, they do like full on sex scenes and I'm like, this is doing nothing for you. Like, right. sure you have a credit on your resume saying I had a lead role in a film. Yeah. But legitimately, it's done nothing for you. It was not even paid. Like, it was it was like just an art project or whatever. Why? What is the point? And I actually yeah. was supposed to audition for something. It was for a local TV series that was filming here. And my agent sent it to me. And I was reading through it. And I'm like, huh. And I go back to my agent. I'm like, um, this is a hooker having sex. <laughs> and she's like, what? I'm like, this is a hooker having sex. Yeah. I said, I don't play those. Like, I don't do those roles. I'm sorry. And she was like, and the cool thing is she was like, oh, no problem. Yeah. It wasn't like you're going to get blacklisted because you say no. Yeah. They are going to appreciate it that they don't have to deal with someone who's having a problem on set. So you you have to just choose, like, yeah. no. And then when I actually saw it, I was like, it was 10 seconds. Right. Like, the scene was 10 seconds, but what's the point? Right. Like, that's not going to advance anyone's career. That's, like, I don't think people realize sometimes when they're doing things that the actual value of it right. sometimes, you know? Well, and I think that uh, lots of times, some of those shows, not all of them, because some of them it fits very well. Mm-hmm. Same with uh, swearing and mm-hmm. cursing and stuff like that. There's sometimes where you're like, oh, this, I don't even know why they're doing yeah. it. And same with sex scenes. Sometimes they'll just throw sex scenes in. Shock um, value. Shock value. Yeah. Um, Vikings, perfect example. The very, I think the first three episodes, there was massive amount of sex scenes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then they just stopped doing them. Why? Because now they're popular. They don't have to they do don't that. They have to draw the audience. Draw them yeah. in. And you want to be an actress that's, or an actor that's doing those scenes mm-hmm. just for gratuitous facts. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we need to build an audience. So this is yeah. the best way to do it. And I got to say, if you're like, you know, to each their own, and if that's what you want to do and you feel that there's value in that, do it. Like, I'm not going to judge at all because I'm, like I said, I'm here and you're there. Yeah. Um, 
And just, but just make it with the right mindset. Don't think, oh, this is going to make me famous. That's not a good enough reason. Yeah. If it's in the story and it's, it's, there's a point to it, it's moving the story, it's pivotal to the message of the story, then, then figure it out. Like me, no, I won't. But if, if it's there and there's a point to it and it helps tell a, be- a better or a greater story or, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, no. That, that actually, I just uh, remember hearing this, um, talking about uh, censoring uh, movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. So, um, is it Huck Finn? I think it's Huck Finn. They were talking about, um, they, they use the N-word in the book. Oh, okay. And now they're going to, when they resell the book, they're going to change that to a different word. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but it was a pivotal part to that mm-hmm. story, is that sometimes we censor stuff out that absolutely needs to be yeah. there because it was part of the... Um, part of the story part yeah. of the time and, and I remember had a I don't like the word at all I, oh, I, no. it's a horrible word um, uh, for me to use but it fits in some stories yeah. and I was having an argument with a friend of mine she was uh, an um, English major mm-hmm. and she's like why are you so against that word I'm like well because it was used wrong and when I was younger I think I, I had this racist tendency and I used that word mm-hmm. in a bad way and so I just don't want to do it anymore she goes well what if you were just reading Huckleberry Finn and, mm-hmm. and they, it, it came up and I'm like yeah I wouldn't read it aloud I just mm-hmm. I wouldn't because I don't like how I use it I don't like how other people used it so you have to censor some of that stuff out mm-hmm. and I think it's the same with you know we know that married couples have sex but we don't show it on TV every single time mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. go to bed and this is what they do and there's it's okay to censor some of that stuff yeah. out but not uh, there's pivotal parts that I yeah. guess that have to be yeah. in there I often think that stuff like that too can sometimes distract an audience from the story right like so sure sometimes it needs to be in there because it's pivotal or or something but i know at least in theater sometimes if you go to a show this is the worst you go to a show and they don't tell you that there's nudity and then all of a sudden there's nudity you're like whoa like you're you're not even engaged with the story anymore because you're too shocked right um and i think that's wrong i think if it's just for shock value those art pieces I've seen that I mean uh, Nicole used to go to I'm trying to remember the theater company now but it was downtown Calgary and it was all like really abstract mm-hmm. theater stuff and half of it people were doing it naked you're mm-hmm. like well, why is he naked like mm-hmm. I don't and uh, those were horrible we stopped going just for yeah. that and I'm not against nudity there's lots of uh, times when it fits stories mm-hmm. well but mm-hmm. it was awful to watch that yeah. stuff well even last night I was watching a film I can't remember the name but there was there was nudity that you're just like I don't understand why. Like, I don't... Yeah. Okay, I don't get it, but... Vikings, girls going into war, and they have these, like, really low-cut oh. dresses. I'm like, that's what they fought in? I don't think that's that they want their boobs hanging out in the middle of Maybe a battle. Maybe it was battle. distracting to the men? I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Swinging a sword as hard as you can, and your boobs are barely tied in. I don't see them <laughs> doing that as part of their... It's distraction, yeah. Chad. It's distraction. <laughs> distraction. But it ruins the show for me a lot of mm. the times when it's not, it's not yeah. real. I just want the story. I want yeah. the emotional connections. I want the story... You can make me feel uncomfortable, that's fine, yeah. but when I leave a, a show, I want to be empowered, engaged, excited, moved, yeah. but I don't want to leave heavy. Right. And some people want to do that because it it affects their audience, and maybe it affects their audience to make a change. And so, I, I grant you that, totally. This yeah. is not my kind of thing. Cool, cool. So, you got anything uh, coming up in the near future? 
Hmm. I wish I said I was filming a movie or something. <laughs> I got some scripts that I'm working on. I got my yeah. novel that I'm trying to get finished for the end of the summer. Um, Torchlight Torch just Light. had a, um, a cancellation. Yeah, yeah. We were going to do Shakespeare in the Park, um, but it just didn't quite pan out. The space, it's a beautiful space, but it doesn't quite actually work for theater. Because is it the Nose Hill? Yeah, thing? the amphitheater is yeah. beautiful, but because the audience is so far from the stage, sound is a problem. And there's a pathway that runs through. So you'd have to have a lot of volunteers to control traffic and stuff. And, and with the timeline that we had, it just didn't work and financing. All the problems that you have in, in art, right? Finding yeah. people with money, uh, engaging people, bringing the audiences in. So we had to cancel that. But we are running a camp for, for Spark for kids. So 11 to 17. And um, we haven't announced our next season yet because we're just working through some stuff with the space. But hopefully we'll be announcing what we're doing next year. Season 4. Nice. How did that happen? What so. about um, the the kids camps that you do, or acting camps, writing mm-hmm. camps, uh, some of that? Are you guys going to do adult camps down the road? Um, like during the year? Or? Yeah. Um, I think so, yeah. So if we can get the space issue figured out, we want to continue with our scene study camps. Um, I have a couple instructors that have told me, like I have one who wants to do musical theater singing. I have another one who said she would love to do Shakespeare with kids. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of our students want to do stage combat, and so that's something we'd love to do. It, hey, if anyone's listening and they want to give us a space that we can use full-time to run right, these camps, right. please talk to me, because we could run so many things for the kids in Airdrie, um, and there's people who want them, yeah. but when you don't have a space, you just can't do what needs to be done. I think people don't understand how much talent's really out there and they don't have an opportunity to showcase themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few people in town, um, I think Anthony Burgess, no, Bur- Burbage, something like that. He's a um, an award-winning songwriter. He well, gives them a really good opportunity to mm-hmm. learn and to grow and to present themselves and as you do at Torchlight Theatre. But uh, there is so much talent in this town yeah. and they just don't get the opportunity. Yeah. Not to mention the ones that you... Uh, they don't even know they have it, and then you yeah. can bring it bring out it in them. So, but. And it's sad that it's limited because we don't have space. Right. Like, that's a horrible reason why we can't be doing something. Yeah. Like, I would be, we would be doing way more shows if we had a space that was our own. Yeah. Um, and, and the space that we do have is fantastic, and then the Burke Church is fantastic, but it's so limited by everything else right. it's just not designated for art so I think it'd be great just putting a little plug there would be great for some art yeah. Airdrie really is a small town mm-hmm. but it has a big town mentality big city mentality but it doesn't have the um, infrastructure to yeah. back that yeah. up There, yeah. there's great businesses out here great talents out here and just the, the, the land is so expensive and the yeah. property is so expensive and like if I we would need let's say an industrial bay yeah. And if we could, and I think that we could generate enough income to be able to pay for it eventually, but we need like six to eight months to get that going. Right. A bay, you'd be lucky to get one cheaper than $3,000. Right. Yeah. You need some high ceilings. You need something yeah. that's got the room for the audience yeah. and to build sets yeah. and, and everything yeah. else. And I've come up with a creative plan. I have a drawing that I've made about how to use, like, to double your workshop space as your performance space. And I'm really creative. So just give me cool. my little 25 by 85 <laughs> foot bay. And we'll be good to go. So you need it uh, rent-free for one year. One year. And uh, then you can just go on mm-hmm. and uh, pay rent. Yeah. You know what I often thought about that uh, I love buildings and I plan on owning more real estate in the future is that uh, 
to have somebody with money. And I'm just putting it out there for anyone that wants to do a good deed is that if you have a building and you believe in these businesses, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's Torchlight Theater or a martial arts club mm -hmm. or you're just someone trying to build a business, that do it on a percentage. Tell them that... That's what I was just going to say. You, you put the money up front and believe in them long enough, mm -hmm. sign a 10-year contract and say, I want... 20% uh, of your door sales for the first mm -hmm. year, uh, maybe it's more, maybe it's 50%, yeah. whatever the, you, the business people will know their numbers mm -hmm. inside and out, mm -hmm. but give these people a chance. You, yeah. you have the money, you have the ability, you will be a hero. Oh my gosh, because I was actually, it's so interesting that you said the percentage because a theater company has seasons where they're not doing anything. Maybe they're in rehearsals, maybe you're rehearsing for because of the way we do it we can rehearse for two months because we do evenings because we're kind of that um emerging but not everyone still has a regular job yeah, and, yeah. but they will have a month in our year where we clear a large sum but then we'll have a month where we don't do anything so right. if a company came in that had space and was willing to work with us and said okay give us 25 percent of everything you make yeah even give us 25 percent of your grant funding because that's rent right it's just set up in the contract that it comes out that way yeah huge Right. Huge. I mean, maybe maybe even say this is how much we want and we'll allow you to pay it off in time. Yeah. Um, but for you to say we need $4,000 a month, well, I have three months that I don't make any money. But I have the next three months I might make really good money. Right. So, yeah, if there was a business out there that was willing to, to work with us and to negotiate and to be like, you know what, I do believe and I do see value. Yeah. Um, but then there's, there's also the risk, right? <laughs> So, but, yeah. but I think people that are hungry enough for it, they'll make it work. Right. Yeah, I know the theater's coming. We know that uh, you'll get your spots and, and you'll grow yeah. and uh, it'll be as popular, if not more popular, than Theater Calgary and, yes. and all the big ones here. And well, Theater Calgary started off as a community theater group 50 years right. ago. That's what I was going to ask you. So, uh, now this is coming from my ignorance. So, um, uh, Interview with a Vampire. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they had a theater company in that movie and it was the same eight actors that did mm -hmm. all, the, all, all the all the plays. Is that something that's beneficial to theater companies where you just get a group of people, you all finance it, so you have, you know, eight, ten people, you all have mm -hmm. a job, you all rent a space together just to split the cost. Mm -hmm. And then Definitely. you just, you know, the, 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 the problem that I know you have right now is that you spend two, three months rehearsing for a play and you get four days to show it. And then you're done. You you lose your space, and uh, you have to tear down set and all that. Where if you had two or three weeks, or maybe even four weeks, to continually show that every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, mm -hmm. Sunday matinees, Saturday matinees, that's where you would actually make an income. Mm -hmm. that, that you know you sell out whatever you get a thousand tickets in four days, and then yeah. you're done. That's yeah. the maximum yeah. you can make off of your three months of yeah. effort. Well, I know that like there's definitely companies that are ensemble based. I think. Um, wrong with the Steppenwolf down in the States. Uh, I think they started off as ensemble. Um, but yeah, there's tons. There's tons of companies that there's a group of people who come together and they want to do it and they want to perform. So they all play different roles within the shows and then it grows and becomes a bigger company. Yeah. Mine's not. Mine's me. I have the support of Victory Church, but basically I run yeah. everything. Yeah. So if we had our own space, you're right, we have four hours, or four hours, four days to do our show. Then we were lucky with Mousetrap, we actually extended it an extra week and, and did two extra shows, nice. which saw an increase in ticket sales. Nice. So people actually, they do want that. Yeah. 
You but have, if, you have, sorry to cut you off, but you have to get people out seeing it, mm-hmm. talking about it, and then you get them yeah. back for the next week. And that's the challenge. We've in, in year three, we're finally getting a bit of ground. I feel like we're finally getting a reputation, and now we're having a little, little struggle with finding rehearsal space and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if we had our own space, and even if it was smaller, like I'm talking like a 50-seater. Yeah. It, What's it, the square it, footage for a 50-seater? Just so people um, listening go, oh, I've got room for that. A 50-seater... So if, like, I know there's a bay in town that's um, 85 long by 25 wide, so 40 by forty by 25. It's pretty small. Like, that's a small theater, but you could fit 50 seats in there, and your stage would be 25 by maybe 30. Yeah. You'd be creating a much more intimate theater setting, so everyone would have kind of a good seat, in a sense. Yeah. Um, you'd bring your audience closer into the action. And you'd have to run it longer because you only have 50 seats. So if it's your space, you could run it. You could open on Wednesday and do Thursday, Friday, Saturday matinee, Saturday, Sunday matinee, take Monday off, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like you could run it for 13, 14 shows. The actors would appreciate it because they've put in 100 hours. So much time. So much time. The technicians, the set builders, the sound and lighting designers, they would appreciate it because their art gets shown more. Yeah. The company would appreciate it because it gives a better chance for people to have a, a, a look at what they do. Yeah. Um, and then because it's your space, you don't have that pressure of, we have to stay till 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning to reset this place. With or, the next group yeah. coming. And then the other idea I was having is why not have these phenomenal sets? Like the Mousetrap set was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And then cater the spark shows that they can use the same set. So then these kids get to perform on these top-notch sets. Right. Um, and get to experience that. So there's if it was our own space that we could leave stuff up and whatever, oh, I have ideas coming out the yin-yang. Nice, nice. So yeah. we're looking for someone to give up a uh, thousand square feet for a year yep. so that we can grow this business. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, you know, we're nearly two hours in and I think we gave so much information. Yeah. Thanks for coming out oh, and sharing absolutely. with us. It was a Great. lot of fun. Um, so far, it's my favorite podcast. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, I Want to Know with Chad and Chelsea. Do you uh, have a website or a place yeah. to sponsor Torchlight you want to share before we take off? Mm-hmm. Go to www.torchlighttheater.ca and theater was with an R-E because we're Canadian. Canadian. So torchlighttheater.ca. Nice. Thank you for coming out, and uh, we'll have you again soon. Sounds good. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great night.